0: Hello, and welcome to The Real Education Podcast with me, Tamara Sfahani, and Chris Winston-Longley. Hello. <laughs> we hope you're doing well and uh, have been listening to all of our previous episodes regarding pedagogy and all of our evidencing, but something a little bit different today. Joining us, we have James O'Hagan. Now, James, James, why don't you introduce yourself? It's probably nicer. I always do these intros, and I just think it's better that people introduce themselves.
1: Sure, sure thing, Tamara. And Chris, thank you for having me on today. Uh, my name is James O'Hagan. I am the vice president of education innovation at a company in the United States called LeagueSpot. We are a gaming platform company. Uh, we really believe in in creating digital walled gardens of play for people and for groups and for children, um, safe places to play in in a in a gaming space that is largely uh, not in in some in some ways. Uh, but before I ended up here, I was an educator of over 20 years. Uh, I started as an elementary school teacher in the, uh, the South suburbs of Chicago, worked my way around in working as an elementary school teacher. I've worked as a, uh, a tech integrator specialist. I've been a tech director for school districts. I've been an assistant principal. Uh, I've worked as a, um, I've worked in rural, urban, suburban. I've worked in rich and poor, all special specialized schools. I mean, I've, I've, I've pretty much done about everything I could. I, I think for the, my, for the, majority of the start of my career, I would stay in a place two three years and then needed to find another thing that maybe scratched an itch or, or helped with a challenge. So, uh, but I've, I've, i consider myself a lifelong educator when people ask what do i do i said, well i'm an educator first um i also played rugby for over 20 years uh, i can I'm see the rugby sad. ball
0: in the background actually i did <laughs> notice it and i wasn't going to say anything because i
1: thought maybe you got yourself confused between rugby and american football but <laughs> no I'm, no confusion here though i am <laughs> sad that uh my ireland my ireland team uh has not made it very far did not make it very far as we thought we would in the world cup this year so we only have four more years to wait it's no no big deal yeah. it's never, it's just never, four more years never a big deal. <laughs> so but yeah i and and i got involved in gaming and esports uh I'm, first of all i'm a terrible gamer i'm like one of the like you don't know well, well, do well before to before before oh. we
0: get you on to kind of getting into esports because this is and, and chris can speak to this because Chris wasn't convinced by gaming when I approached him initially, Um, and it took quite a bit of convincing, especially an educator who has the expectations are for school and an assessment system and the children and the parents to be able to deliver the education that they needed. Where were you in your journey of gaming before you discovered gaming as an educational tool? So, Chris, if you just want to kind of give a little bit of background, because it might be a similar story here
2: yeah I think you you've understated it really I think I was incredulous would be the word when you told me to bring gaming into the secondary school that I worked in um, or that it could be part of education because uh, the media as you know is is um completely against gaming they they love all the um all the stuff about gta and stuff and and they don't because of that, and because of seeing my own children play, and they only play GTA and Fortnite and things, so I wasn't aware of the scope of games at all. certainly not aware of eSports either, although a member of my family actually plays eSports. Um, and so i I just I don't know it was just a dirty word. I mean, you you wouldn't dare bring it up or but then, because it's you <laughs> and, I trust you and you told me to look at it and I, so I went away and looked at it and, and you began to introduce um, games to me that I hadn't heard of and I began to see the potential because as you know all I'm interested in is getting children to reach their potential. I don't care what the tool is, I don't care what the teacher's agenda is, What I, I'm not interested in the government, I'm interested in children developing their own thoughts their own ideas their own creativity etc and learning for themselves and i suddenly saw this amazing vehicle so i got sold on it being a vehicle as um, cuz i still don't game myself um, well you I, do you I've, do
0: more than you have done before i've know. tried
2: <laughs> <laughs> i get i get stuck on about the third or fourth level on a game and then after a couple of hours i get so irritated i give up and get another one but and that's... so i never
0: but that's the journey, did, isn't it?
2: That's the. I that's just finished the one, didn't I? I finished Lost Words, yeah, the Rihanna Pratchett one, yeah, and I loved it. But that's written for primary school children. But
0: <laughs> the point is, I mean, I'll stop you there because that is the point, right? I mean, it's the accessibility of games. So, so James, back to you then. Mm-hmm. What was your mm-hmm. journey in gaming before? Was this was this something that you'd already had an eye on, or? or or were you approached by a company or by a parent or by a child? Or did you have your own gaming history? How did you kind of connect those dots?
1: Oh, wow. So uh, I was born in 1975. Uh, so by 1980, you know, the child of the eighties, uh, I grew up with video games, going to arcades. That was that was one of my my best childhood memories was going to the arcade with my friends. Uh, even going, uh, people are, are, get weirded out for whatever reason. When I say, yeah, a lot of grocery stores had arcade systems, you know, at the front of the store. I mean, parents would, and again, this was the eighties parents would leave their children at the front of the store and let them play video games while they went and shopped. It was, it was actually brilliant. And even as some grocery stores, I remember, uh, being in Kansas city as a child, a, a brand new grocery store opened up. They built an arcade. Like they, it wasn't just thrown up at the front of the store. They actually built like an enclosure uh, area for for their systems. I, it was dark, so you could you know see the screen really well. Everything. Um, yeah, I didn't have obviously I didn't have Twitch growing up, but my Twitch was my friend Aaron. I would go to my friend Aaron's house and I would sit and watch him play video games for hours. Because again, I'm terrible. I, I'm a terrible gamer. To be fair though, my style of games is not the hyper competitive. Uh, those are not my favorites my favorite are city builders SimCity, city city skylines i'm just so excited that city skylines 2 is out uh strategic games like uh age of empires uh even starcraft to a bit starcraft was uh really where i started to in college start to to find a community of gamers not realizing that there really was you know the community of gamers used to be you had to go to the arcade but you never were really connected with these people outside of that Uh, We didn't have the cell phones or the technology to to really stay connected 24-7. So we had to go to these physical locations, and he never knew who was there. Um, My mother also was an educator uh, for a time. She actually got to – she worked at a very wealthy school district, and and God bless my mother, worked at a very wealthy school district just south of San Francisco where a lot of executives for Apple lived. And so when it came time to develop a computer lab, she – was given like a brand new mac lab like every and so i here i am as a child yeah. going in there and just playing on these things and i mean oregon trail and 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 like i said sim city there was another game i loved uh, no offense to the british revolution 76 where it actually takes you through the american or american revolutionary war Um, There was a flight sim as well that
0: used to play with a mouse on the Mac, the Mac 2 that I remember. And then you used to be able to, one of the things that I remember, James, sorry to interrupt you, is is, um, the animation stuff on the early Macs was insane. Like you could do things, you could create little animations that were amazing for the time. And just the freedom that you had with a a Mac specifically, I have to say. Um, But it was a completely different world.
1: Yeah, well, and don't forget, it was... It was originally green screen, and then it was and then it was sixteen colors or yeah. it was eight colors. I don't remember which, but you know, that was a huge deal. But uh, yeah, I've always had this this kind of gamer thread, I, and I don't know why I went to college and decided that I was going to be a chemist, like not a pharmacist, but a, but a chemistry you know scientist. Uh, I don't know why I didn't get into video games or looking at uh, computer technology and science, but it was again, something that was, was just a part of my culture. And again, being in my dorm room in college, uh, I was in a floor with, uh, computer science majors, my, my senior year and everybody was gaming. And this is when the ethernet cables started getting dropped into dorm rooms and people were able to connect. Their, and here I am, I had no idea how to set any things up. I got a crash course over, you know, weeks. Of living in dorms with these geeky people who are like oh we're going to teach you how to do this we're going to tear your computer apart we got to get you more ram you got to go get this stuff you need a better you know all these other things and i started playing starcraft now i get to i get to uh i've always been a person who wants to integrate technology into what i do with teaching i always saw that there was opportunity there one of the best books if you have not uh, seen it it's it's a book from the 80s it's called the children's machine by seymour papert it is still one of the best education technology books I have ever read it is it is you know the basis of the book is are is the computer programming the child or is the child programming the computer and a lot of times we've fallen into this you know idea that that computers are going to program our children where I start to see where gaming starts to fit in now is that the children are using the technology to play they are they are focusing in on how can we play in these spaces how can, we, how can we create and evolve in these spaces? Uh, there is no always one answer. I mean, for a lot of video games, yes, there is one way to get from point A to point B, but games I found myself using most, again, let's go back to SimCity. Uh, when I started teaching fifth grade students, I set up my classroom once and we set up a, a country of Ohegania. We called it Ohegania. And I set up, I, I created cash, we had an economy, we had stock markets, Everybody had a job. Everybody had to pay rent on their desks. Everybody had a role to play in the classroom. But we also, I also took them through how we would build a city, and and it's not just. i using SimCity 2000 at the time. It wasn't just, hey, let's all sit down and and let's put a house here and put a house here. You and your role. How are we running this city? Here's your budget. Oh, the police need more money because the you know crime is rampant and, and, or we need, the schools need more money over here. Everybody had a role in, in what was being built in the city. So it was, we slowed the game down a lot, a lot of pauses, a lot of, you know, do we, do we go for fast forward a couple of years, see how it goes. It, it, it was really bringing in games and gameplay, and And what, what I found were these children who could be very passive at times, just going through the regular curriculum. We're very active thinkers and learners. And again, with fifth grade students, you're talking about 10 year olds. 10 year olds are moving out of that stage where they only see themselves in their house and their neighborhood is like their world. And now they're starting to see their city as their world. They're starting to see their area as their world. Um, there's a real reason why we teach things that we do in education um, in such a way with children, because again, their expanse of knowledge. If you find a child who's real worldly and traveling the world, that's that's like, okay you know that they know geopolitics that's a, that's a mis, that's an outlier but by and large children are following from what's in my house what's in my neighborhood what's in my you know city what's in my state and what's in my country and then the world um, so trying to take that approach too we find that with using this game simulator sim city with 10 year olds uh, it really opened their mind to what a city really meant. And I didn't have to introduce, you know, state governments or, you know, legislatures. They started to find those things on their own. Well, Just, because yeah. there's,
0: a, there's a need, isn't there? That's the point. I mean, all of a sudden legislators, economy, housing, all of these things become real issues that they have to deal with because it directly affects them. and 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 you can't, go around it. It's so funny you mentioned here because I always use I don't know if you've heard any of the previous podcasts but I always use the example when I was in an American school I did a very similar thing where we, we, we played out Ellis Island so everybody in the school had a role in doing it. Now it wasn't based on a video game but it was learned through play did you know? And, and that that's kind of the, the key point here. Chris did you want to say something?
2: No I'm just fascinated listening. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's, what? When you keep talking about being children of the 80s i was, I was born in 1960 so <laughs> he doesn't like it does he <laughs> my experience of games was pac-man in the pub so it was a table and you'd sit with your beer on the table and you'd be playing pac-man or you'd be playing space invaders and that was it until my children as i say they they got them and they were on um, the sega mega drive So anything that happened to be on that i remember the toy shop they were in they they kept meeting bosses and having to fight bosses and i tried to play but i didn't have the reaction times and and things and all the being a teacher of course i was busy marking and planning and so i couldn't give it the hours it required but it's fascinating i mean the sim city stuff yes absolutely um we've written lessons around city building Um, well
1: to, to, to that point, too, Chris, the, the suburb I was t- teaching in was Lansing, Illinois. So this was 1999 2000, to 2003. And um, the south side of Chicago was going through a lot of transformation at the time. A lot of the high-rise public housing units were being torn down and but where do these people go to live there were people still living there so a lot of what you saw was a shift largely of african american population to the suburbs the south suburbs the western suburbs of of illinois of uh, chicago and a lot of these kids didn't understand why they had to move and a lot of and a lot of kids in this what used to be a predominantly white middle class suburb didn't know where these kids were coming from and you know, again, as we talked about property values and we talked about the types of buildings that we would have. You know, kids, kids related. Some kids in my class, those coming from Chicago, related to uh, high rises. Some of them couldn't fathom the idea of living in a building with other people. So again, it begins now a cultural exchange between two disparate groups of kids. They're all still kids. They're all still playing. They all still play together. I I, I was so lucky to have them to myself for six hours a day. I didn't have to share them with anybody else. We got to be a family, but really start to again use this opportunity to not just check a box that said, "Hey, you did spelling today," and "Hey, you did reading." It was, "What did you learn about everybody else in your in your community?" So it, it, that that was became a big core of it. And again, but here's the thing, i, I and it, you you kind of brought it up earlier, Tomer, in that there was always this unease. Or Chris, maybe you, you, even even from you, there's this unease about video games. That and here, let's let's back up and look at the unease of our societies. Dungeons and Dragons was seen as a tool of the devil. Uh, mm-hmm. Heavy mm-hmm. metal music, music, TV, yeah. the printing radio, press,
0: the printing press when it first came out was seen as a t- tools devil, devil's
1: tool. The, I can't I can't yeah. talk. <laughs> the radio, comic books. Now, uh, uh, to, to, to kind of bring it to comic books, uh, I worked with a librarian my first couple of years, Linda Berry, wonderful librarian. And I saw that she had comic books in her library. And I said, and here again, here here is my brought up that comic books are, again, there's no place for comic books in school. And she's And I said, why would you put comic books in your library? She says, well, first of all, it's still reading. It doesn't matter what it is. If, if a comic book is going to get a child to read, that's one thing. But she said, think about how they have to read. It's not linear. They have to go from this box to this box. And sometimes in that box, they have to put three or four different bubbles together to make context out of it. I went, oh, wow. Okay. This this is, you know, just something that's small, totally changed the mindset. And that's where I hope as we look at games and video games coming more into schools, is that we start to take a step back from our own um, biases and really start to look at what is it that we're really trying to do here. And and I hope that uh, what I've tried to do with regards to get video games and education is open eyes of people to what it is. It's 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 more than just video games. As I tell people, you know, just because you have an esports team in your school doesn't make it cutting edge. It's cutting edge with what you do with it. So um, trying to open those conversations as well, too, in all this. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned the comic book thing,
0: doesn't it, isn't it? And I'm sure Chris wants to jump in on this. Go on.
2: Uh, no, I just had a question that backtracks slightly. I mean, I, I do the, the, to me, I, was, I tried to get manga into, you know, Japanese manga into schools. So I put it in my own. And I was, I went around schools trying to sell it. But librarians were, some of them were, <laughs> a, we're not having anything with pictures in. So, which, which is strange because the brain is visual for most learners. It, it, text is, a, is something that gets in the way. Um, but no, I was thinking back to what you'd said about the, you were satisfying a real need with those kids when you were talking about the suburbs moving and everything and, and the children moving around and the housing and all that cultural exchange. You were satisfying a definite need there in the children that you'd identified did the school identify it were you were you just using the simulator as a as a vehicle or were you doing something extra and above the curriculum because you you valued it and you knew it was valued or valuable sorry
1: i i had probably as 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 teaching goes i was the baby in a school that the next senior teacher was had been in the building for 20 years so i was literally it was a very you, you went to this, teaching this school, you were there pretty much for life. And I had six other fifth grade teachers with which I worked um, who took me into their wing. And, and a lot of them were, were, this was before, again, high stakes testing. I mean, we were doing testing, but it wasn't like this no child left behind stuff like we have in our country. Uh, where we did have intellectual freedoms to explore, you know, yes, we, these are the things we want you to teach, but how you teach it is up to you. And again, I had coming into that classroom, I had intellectual freedom to explore that in any way, shape and form. Uh, I had a great tech director, Phil Conboy, in that school district who uh, he said, hey, what do you want to do? And he would get me the get me what I needed to do it. So for example, I started a, a computer club, which again became a gaming club. But the way it became started as a computer club was we had all these old 486 computers that they had just swapped out. They had, you know, the The Pentium computer was coming on, but the 486 was still at the time. 486 was an amazing machine. I
0: that was one of the first PC that I used for my flight sims. <laughs> Stealth yeah. Nighthawk one seventeen was the was the, one there? Yeah, the yeah. Sorry, James, go on. Good memories. Oh, yeah, but, good but, memories. 486.
1: But, but laptops again were not ubiquitous at this time. You know that they were they were a huge investment. So what did we do? We took these 486, we opened them up, showed the kids all the different parts just like my friends in college did with me, you know, showing how they showed it to me, you know, this is memory. We need, we need to take these two sticks out of this one and put them into this one. So now we have four in this one because we're going to learn how to play Starcraft on these. We're going to set up eight computers in here and we're going to, we're going to talk about what a network. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to set up a LAN. Yeah. We're going to, uh, but now again, I only had one legal copy of starcraft james
0: you weren't the only person i think at that era that only had (laughs) one legal copy of a game that was always ripped on the the famous cd writers and rewriters and how many times could you write to a disc without it getting wrecked
1: oh we we didn't have we didn't have that luxury either but we Uh. i could take my one disc and and install it to all of them but again could i have just said hey we're gonna play starcraft and set it up for him yeah i totally could have or like i said take this as I'm going to teach you all how to open these things up and, and learn about what a LAN is, you know, IPX, SPX, or do we use an I- TCP IP network? And what does that mean? And it, these kids, I, I'll tell you what too, these kids are in their thirties now and they still remember these things. Oh, yeah. they, they connect with me on LinkedIn. They, they, they reach out to me and they say, we remember when, and O'Hagany is one of the big ones. And again, the, the, the playing video game, we might have also got into uh, looking into um, Napster. Oh yeah, uh, some of the kids were. I've said, well, let's check it out. And you know, this is again before school set up firewalls that were really extensive. And so, yeah, we 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 dabbled in in P2P seeing stuff. what Napster.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's fascinating stuff because it's a very similar. And, and what's really interesting, James, is the kind of we're off the same generation you and I, but your teaching journey is almost mirroring what Chris has experienced in his teaching journey as well because it, it it is it is that kind of misconception around what video games actually do and and what we've identified I think and what we what we're evidencing and what we're constantly pushing is is that video games are not and we we all know this you have to be an active participant in video games so there is you know chris put it very beautifully a, a couple of weeks ago when when we were comparing the learning sciences to playing a video game and I mean, Chris, I think you turned around and said, look, if you don't pick up the controller, you don't go anywhere, right? And and so you have to learn how to fail. You have to learn how to persevere. You have to learn how to control and move. And, you know, these are all things that you have. to. And if we can take those things that we're so comfortable in doing in a gaming environment and apply it to our learning, then it gives us the agency. It gives anybody, it's not just the child, anybody, the agency to understand that they have those inherent learning principles built built into them and and they and they do deliver but you went down the esports route james which is which is a very interesting thing because i mean we we don't obviously work around the esports there's nothing wrong with esports as far as we're concerned but we are, our identification is around pedagogy which i'm sure you'll appreciate from a from an educational um perspective but where then do i mean other than the competitive nature of esports Where is where is where where is it that you focus the kind of the the learning on? What is it about the esports that makes it a great educational tool?
1: So, I got involved with scholastic gaming and esports, and I and I try to talk about the two of them now as very similar but separate. Um, Again, it used to be just esports, and I think unfortunately, which is a horrible
0: phrase as well. I'm sorry to interrupt you. The 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 phrase esports is is one of those. It's like digital literacy or ed tech it's or gamification it's one of those things that doesn't actually define what esports does
1: oh we could do a whole episode <laughs> on gamification if you wanted to and i talk think will probably invite tech. you
0: back for that james actually definitely
1: because uh the reason why i i, I bristle at gamification and, and this is going to segue i swear into what we're talking about but uh, part of my dissertation work has been in the field of self-determination theory so Acts of competency, autonomy, and relatedness, and and what drives people to want to do things and in, in, in being intrinsically motivated. And again, children are very intrinsically motivated by games and gameplay as evidenced by when I talked about, again, SimCity and these kids now starting to explore what it means in their own communities. You know, how things work and why are they here and how did they get here? Um, these, are, these are very big questions that get asked. Um, but... My, my start in this was in 2014 with, with Rockford Public Schools. Now, again, always been a gamer, st- you know, always had a, 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 when I got to be an adult, uh, you know, PlayStation, PlayStation 2, um, Xbox 360, then I went to an Xbox One, and now I'm on the Xbox X, but I still have a PS4, I've got a, I still have a Wii that I have here as well, too. It was it was really a rush to somebody came to me and said it was actually an assistant superintendent at the time that said, James, we saw on the show 60 Minutes, which plays here in the United States. And I know they have it all over the world. um, We saw that you could get scholarships for esports. There's a school apparently just an hour east of us in Chicago. Can you can you look into that? And I said, absolutely. It was like that permission. Right. It was it was like unleash the hounds kind of permission. And because um, up until that point, again, talk about video games, but nobody really embraced it. And I'll tell you something. There's nothing – I my my love to the people who try to make educational games or games for schools, but they yeah. don't – don't, outside of Oregon Trail. Our, which, but by but the way, Oregon
0: Trail, by the way, can I just stop you there? Oregon Trail was yeah. never made necessarily – it was a different time, a different era, with a different. View. It was different view of gaming at the point. I mean, when we played Oregon Trail, it was one of. It was like Carmen Sandiego. That there were certain games that you could play that you enjoyed because it was a break, and there was no real there was no you talk about city builders and and real-time strategy games those games did not exist at that time we had very few genres of games so anything gaming was exciting and and new and the oregon trail still to this day i think delivers on that kind of that 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 kind of absolute desperation um you know (laughs) that, that that's that's what you're fighting but that's what you you learn so I don't think you can compare the Oregon Trail or Carmen San Diego or any of those games to anything nowadays. I don't think you can compare them to real time strategies.
1: Well, I, I love that you brought up Carmen San Diego because uh, that was a, a game that also came with a world almanac. Exactly. And I don't know.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: In yeah. order to be successful at that game, could you pick and choose and guess? Absolutely, you could, but you're going to run out of time yeah. to find Carmen. The key was you had to, you had all the time in the world to go through that world almanac and read about these different places and find what you needed. And I'll tell you, I learned so much about the world. And and oh, even yeah. to this day, I will, you know, Wikipedia, I, I love how librarians initially were like, oh, Wikipedia is awful. How, how are we going to know if all the sources are good? And, and I keep saying that I oversaw libraries for several years in our school district, and I'm actually on the library board for my city here. And I've, I've, I've got a huge love for libraries, but. Yeah, there was this longest time where I was fighting a battle of, well, anybody can put anything into Wikipedia. Yeah, you can until you run into those mods who are like just adamantly psychotic about the accuracy of the page on Djibouti. You know that, yeah. you know those kind of things. So, <clears throat> with with that said, uh, it really was a, how can we get these computers back to to Rockford 2014? It was how fast can we get these computers into the hands of children and when can we start playing? And that is the, as I look back on it, that is the absolute wrong way to do things. That is that is taking this amazing opportunity of intrinsic motivation and, and dumbing it down to let's just get kids playing video games. And what did we get? We got we got some young men, uh, largely uh, no, no women, uh, young men to play video games. And it was great, it was fun. Yes, did they enjoy it, yes. But where's the sustainability? In, in a day and age, especially in the United States, where um, a lot of things are scrutinized, uh, our schools and school boards have always been political, but I think even more so in this day and age, um, there's a lot of scrutiny about how tax dollars are being spent. Uh, our country is very divided, even, even in the most liberal areas, you will find people who are very concerned about big government and, and how money is being spent. And Realize that in my own community here in Racine, Wisconsin, uh, our school district has a budget of $300 million for 16,000 students. Most of that goes to teacher salaries and benefits. The rest of it goes to the the other big portion of that goes to facilities. And then you have to do your curriculum. And then you you can do all the other things that you want to try to do. But every year, a school budget should be balanced. It should be like, we end up with no deficit And we end up hopefully with no surplus it should be zero so you're working a very tight line so when you say to somebody hey i need an extra hundred thousand two hundred three hundred thousand dollars it may in the in this grand scheme of the 300 million dollar budget that may not seem like a lot but in in the world of you know somebody who lives in a house that's you know fifty thousand dollars that sounds like a whole hell of a lot of money so when we when i came to racine i really focused in on why are we doing this if, if the budget is gonna get cut, how can I make sure that I can grow my program? And so what I did was two things. Number one, I, I built on five pillars. I said, our eSports program is not just gonna be about video games. It's gonna be about redefining athletic culture. Uh, we want to diversify opportunities for student participation in school. I wanna promote good mental and physical health. I want to show them these career and college pathways that a lot of them may not see. And I want to honor the importance of play, and that last one is really the big one because after No Child Left Behind, uh, we really did a number on the idea of play in the United States. We we really made play a awful bad word. Like it's again, it's a waste of time. And again, imagine you being told by somebody that you love, you know, whether it's a parent or a teacher or somebody you look up to that what you are doing, that you love to do, that you get up and do every day without being told to do it, that what you're doing is a waste of time. That is that is hurtful. And it's no wonder that when you talk about the stereotypes of gamers, where are they? They're in their basements. They're in their bedrooms. They don't come out and see the sunlight. They don't talk to their parents about what they're doing. I, I always, and this was part of my genesis into really understanding the power of games and gameplay. I worked a lot in, in alternative education. So I worked with a lot of students who were failing out of school or had failed out, were trying to get a high school diploma or a a GED, which is a general eds. And the parents would come to a meeting with me and I'd sit down and talk with them. And I the first question I would ask the child is not, you know, how are you doing or or you know, what is your favorite subject? My first question I would ask these kids is, what video games do you like? It's a very disarming question, right? They'd never anticipate having, first of all, a guy with a gray beard sitting in a, in a principal's office or assistant principal's office or a director's office say to them, what video games do you play? Yeah, It does two things. First of all, it throws them off, and it throws off the parent, too. Boy, the parents get really, like. Well, you're, you're here to talk to me, not to my child. That's
0: that's <laughs> right. kind of the response, right? Well, why are we talking about video games? We're here to talk to me about my child's education, not about what games he's playing. This is the, the immediate kind of reaction I would have thought.
1: But it it becomes a rapport builder initially because whether no matter what they answered, I had I've I've played a game similar to it or I know it. It immediately now here's here's the reaction though, is that the kid if the parent is in the room. They may look at the parent and the parent may look at them and, and do one of two things, roll their eyes, or they will typically say something like, go ahead, you can tell them. And all of a sudden it becomes the, the floodgates are open. The conversation starts to flow. It is now we are talking about the things that they like, the things that they are interested in. And then the the, the you know, teaching is is as much science as it is art you know and you got to have a really you got to understand the science of education but you also have to realize that what you are trying to do with a child is not turn them into you know this magical you know brilliant human being that they already are you are trying to just get them to realize that what they are doing with that is just as important as what you want them to do and and i find that that question alone is is a great start and so Um, That's what we did here with Racine Unified School District, and we we went after kids who were not participating in anything. We know when we get kids involved in extracurricular activities, at least the the data from the United States suggests two things are going to happen. Attendance is going to increase and GPA is going to increase. If those two things happen, their graduation rates are going to go up. I didn't need to do any more minutes of math. I didn't have to do any more minutes of reading because God knows I as a teacher if you told me I had to double the minutes of math that I had to teach in a day I'm like oh my god please don't make me do that please don't make me do another hour of reading with my kids because those aren't the things that you know putting more of that into a child does not do the justice that I think our children need I I used to take our kid my my elementary kids out for recess at least twice a day and I needed it just as much as they did. I needed to get outside. And again, you look at the neuroscience, looking outside and getting sunlight and what that does to the brain and the and the positivity of the brain, getting to run around, not use recess as a punishment, you know, as, as like, oh, sorry, you were you were being bad today in class. That kid who was being bad in class probably needs recess more than anybody else in the in the room. That's a place where again, where they can feel competent and they can feel autonomous and they can feel a sense of community. When you get that kid back in the room, all of a sudden now they are a different child. So looking at that through video games, uh, we were attracting a lot of kids again who were not involved in extracurriculars. We were attracting a lot of kids who are credit deficient. We were attracting a lot of students who um, didn't have access to some of these uh, computers. Uh, the, the community in which I live is, is very economically diverse. Uh, we, we do have a high poverty rate in this city. In which I live and where access is limited, so um, we're giving them an opportunity to play in these digital spaces because this is what our data tells us. Yeah. Pew Research, Pew Research tells us that 97% of boys and 83% of girls in the teenage years are playing video games. They aren't doing esports. Right? That's, no. 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 But, but they. But this is where they are choosing to play, and that's Pew Research from 2018. And I can only guess five years later that that number is closer to 100%. Well, so.
0: a recent report, and Chris corrects me if I'm wrong here. A recent report from Ofcom, which is our broadcast um, kind of um, ombudsman, if you like, uh, overview that, that does it's nine out of ten children are playing video games. So we're, we're already at 90%, and I would I would argue. James, that's is probably near the 99 percent. If I, if I'm being honest with you, but there's a lot of, I mean, I, I, I mean, Chris, I'm sure there's something that you want to say because there's a lot here that is <laughs> that's that a is huge so parallel to what's going. I'm on. sorry, yes. I'm sorry. No, 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 no James, no, no, no. Horses and just go. No, 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 no. no. This is great. I just don't want to talk because actually, I think the, the conversation between Chris and yourself. I mean, it, there's just so many similarities, and as as I'm sitting, there, I'm just nodding away because these are conversations that I've had with Chris as well. Chris,
2: take it away. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, we could we could discuss this for days and days and days, but we both know what we're talking about. If you see what I mean, so there's no point having that discussion. Um, but I, it just, I'm sitting here, and everything you're saying, my heart is just going, yes, yes, at last. I'm talking to someone, I'm listening to someone who is where I am. Um, different country, different, uh, slightly different language uh, and, and context. But, <laughs> slightly but, different language. Chris. No, but what I mean <laughs> is the words you're using for, for boards and, and things, we have Oh, recess break. Yeah, yeah, of recess, course, break, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, of course, of course. Um, oh, yes, yes. But the, it was like when you just said, I think, I think what, I'm, what I'm reveling in is the fact, James, that to me, you are someone who is questioning all the time. If it's not, you're looking at the child and you're going, if that doesn't work, then we're not going to do it anymore. Or what will work? And you don't seem to have any um, constraints on your thinking, which is the problem that we have in this country. We we have a government, whichever one is in, we, we have an establishment that wants to keep the status quo. They want to keep the class system. They want to keep the... The same knowledge-based curriculum where the kids are just learning, not how to do, but just learning things that, that will sustain the establishment. And so when they fall back with, with COVID, when they fell back, I, I still don't understand the falling back. I get that if you're not in school, you're not going to be learning. But then whoever, men- whoever measured how much learning they were doing in a day anyway, you know, I don't know how much they actually missed um of of actual quality learning because maybe a couple of months of decent what you're doing would redress 6 months of of missed ordinary teaching or ordinary curriculum so here we when we had the the literacy fall back they just did more reading and more literacy and you think but had that worked in the first place they wouldn't they were already behind because they didn't like reading and they didn't and so what our government does is gives them more of the same Whereas you seem to be saying, if reading isn't working, you know, like you said, don't make me do maths. Don't make me. Our government at the moment is talking about doing maths until 18 for every child, whether they need it or not in their career. It's whether, whether, just it's just we're going to do it because it's good for you. It's a real Victorian ethic that we have. And you are a breath of fresh air to, to be listening. to you just going because I also think that if you thought esports wasn't doing it, you'd find a different vehicle. You'd have found something else. What you found was the thing that would open the door, and and I think what carried you through. The other thing I wanted to say. Sorry, there's lots. Of, I was making notes. Oh, you're or, good. But the, I think that thing when you said to, when you say to a child because I've done the same thing. We we, I do and I was doing supply teaching. I was going into school and and when you weren't left with a lesson to teach, I'd just go, right, what video games do you play? And then I'd get them to have um, debates about which was the best game and why and and all sorts of things. Um, But just to go in, that's that conversation about gamification. Just to say to a child, what video games do you play? Ooh, I'm cool like you. I'm on the same page. That won't work. You'll last about 30 seconds. You have the authenticity because as you say, you know the game's That they're playing, or you can link, and they suddenly think, oh, this guy actually does play games. He is one of us. He is, and then with that authenticity, you're then validating who they are, what they believe in, what they do, what their life is. And you're going, hey, I'm an adult and I'm in this world, and what you're doing is fine. And I think that is worth that's worth its weight in gold. Because what our system tends to do is, why don't you want to be a banker? Why don't you want to be an engineer? (laughs) And and no one says, do you want to be a games designer? That one isn't on the list of careers. And you think there's more jobs in gaming than almost anything. Video
0: games isn't just being a YouTuber or an esports competitor. You could be legal counsel. You could be a games designer. You could be a marketeer. You could be a narrative designer. You know, you, there are so you can be a, a composer. Planner, lawyer.
1: Yeah, a yeah. Yeah. Storyteller. Yeah. I mean, what what, is, what are the games that draw us in the most? It's the ones that have the stories. Disco Elysium, to Disco me, Ely- is, one of, yeah. Disco, yeah. is one of my favorite all-time games. And that story, because I'm a person who loves the genre of books of uh, Choose Your Own Adventure yeah. uh, or the Time Machine books, Yeah, that one took that to an adult high level oh, yeah. of, like, Oh my God! And this commentary is actually... on socialism and
0: communism, and I mean the, the the historical context that it's set in. They grew up in the you know I think it was, I can't, it was Hungary or Romania or something during the Soviet period, and oh. you feel that in the game. You've got that oppression and that kind of just just all eyes on you all the time. Um, but you're right. It is those games. It's those games that speak to us,
1: right. Well, and and here's the thing too that that came that I think core to what I really believe is, I really feel that in schools we should have something for everybody. And when I say something like an extracurricular, I don't give a damn if it's gonna be esports or video games. My own, sc- I have a school that is less than a mile down the road for me right here it would be my boundary school if i were to send my children there my children are all grown up but it would be the boundary school it is the lowest performing elementary school when it comes to reading and math scores in the city of racine again crushing poverty um, you know a lot of these kids are coming with free reduced lunch but they did a story recently that they have started and I know esports people probably bristle at this, but pickleball is taking over the, the planet faster than, than they thought esports would. I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Saudi Arabia all of a sudden becomes, <laughs> tries to make themselves the center of pickleball. <laughs> but but here's, here's the reality. Getting those kids involved in pickleball, it, it doesn't have to be pickleball. It doesn't have to be esports. It has to be how do we get kids positive adult interaction and get them playing the two ways that you're going to push a mental health crisis is positive adult interaction and play we can do all these special programs but cheap easy is adult interaction and play again get those kids involved in extracurriculars now you've got mental health uh, getting incorporated in through just playing pickleball now you've got the again attendance should hopefully increase you're developing relationships with these children that are going to carry them through not just elementary school but hopefully forward Again, it, I, I want to make sure that every child has something. And if video games is going to be one of those things, then let's do it. And here's the thing, too, that I, I really bristle against when people talk about eSports is they think there's one way to do it. There's not. It, it is it is as free-flowing as anything. I'll, get, I'll give a quick story. I know that we, we've been going on for a very long time. But <laughs> I, I'll give a very quick story here. I worked with a school on the north side of Milwaukee very recently. Now, the north side of Milwaukee is, again, uh, one of the most segregated parts of the United States, actually. It is, it is again, crushing poverty. It is a place that when uh, the Rust Belt hit in the United States, that was one of the most hardest hit. Um, I was working with a group of young men, ages 15, 16-year-old, all African-American young men, 15, 16-years-old. And they wanted. I got, I got a contact from a gentleman who said, We want to do esports with our students, but we aren't sure how. I said, okay. I said, tell you what, I want to come up, I'll meet with you guys, we'll talk about what we can do. So I go up there, meet with them, and after meeting with the young men for a while, there's a few things I learned. Number one, for a lot of them, they're the only male in the house. For a lot of them, they have brothers and sisters. Uh, The purpose of the program for these young men, these these are already young men who have been kind of tabbed as being more of the upstanding students, young men in the school. And we are trying to make them into leaders because again, in their own communities, there's a lot of not great male role models. And I said, look, we can start an esports program. I can get you all involved in the Wisconsin High School Esports Association. You've already got switches. We can start you with Super Smash Brothers, easy. Or here's another idea that I have. You guys, and I will let you all decide on what you wanna do. I said, you have brothers, your purpose of you being here is to become leaders. And we can't just say like, hey, we're gonna make you leaders and then put you out in the community and all of a sudden you're leaders. That's not how it works. We have to give you guide rails and help to become and ha- figure out how do you become a leader? How do you become an inspiration to the next generation? How do, you, how do you really do these things? And I said, let's do this. Let's consider the idea of creating an esports league in house for your third, fourth and fifth graders because a lot of them are your brothers and sisters I said, they're going to see you as gods. You are these 15, 16 year old. The fact that you come in and you wanna help them do things, they are going to look up to you immediately. And again, you're bringing them video games and you're teaching them to play Mario Kart and Super Smash Brothers. I said, this is good. I said, you have to learn how to organize these kids. You're gonna to have to learn how to, uh, to to set rules and boundaries and help guide them in how they, how they should behave when they win or when they lose. There's a lot here that you have to do, but that goes to the heart of the mission of not just your school and something that your board is going to want to give more money to, but it is also going to be the things that, again, as you go out into the community, you're laying a groundwork for these kids coming up. You are also going to be seen as those kids are going to remember it when they're Mm -hmm. 15, 16 years old and you're in your 20s. They're going to remember you. Well, James, they going to look
0: at. You. It's it's proven by the fact that people are reaching out to you on LinkedIn now, talking to you about Ahagania and and the games. I mean, this is the this is the stuff that I remember from being a kid. That's what you remember. Those are the things that stick. And to your previous point, you know about inclusivity and diversity and kind of all the socio economic disparity. Video games are a great leveler it's that yep. video game cultural wealth that allows you to transcend all of that crap and actually just get straight to the heart of the issue and that is the game a game hasn't been built for a specific class or a race or a gender or a type a game is there for you to explore as a human being and 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 use your your own humanity if you like to to explore yourself and others around you through through play and that is that's the a publisher and a game developer doesn't go out thinking, right, I'm going to make it unless they're doing it specifically for a gamification or an education purpose, which is the exact reason why it doesn't work. That is why they work.
2: It's uh, the only thing I would say, and I, and I, I hope this isn't um, controversial. One of the, I worked in a, a secondary school. We have a, a grammar school selection system here. So about a third, just over a third of the children are taken out and put into a grammar school, and then all the special educational needs and the difficult children and all that are all left in the secondary, which is where I spent my career. And you're given more leeway in those schools to do things because the kids have already been written off. And mm. I, I think one of my concerns as I listen to us all the time is we're always, this is all wonderful, and everything we're doing is wonderful, but but we also have to try and hit... Kids who don't need it, and and mm-hmm. validate validate using video games and esports in school just because it works. it, it isn't it isn't just this cure for or, or how to fix a problem. Because it, it, to me it's so sad that we <laughs> that we have the problem in the first place, and here we are coming up with brilliant solutions and we and we're working for it. But I also. I, I did supply in a, a grammar school just recently, and there was a feeling in that school of why do we need this? Why, why on earth do we need this? We've got clever kids who can just pass the exams, and and I think because you're not teaching them anything they need to know. You 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 say here here's here's the secret. They're
1: not saying why do we need this. I I, I firmly believe this. They're scared. And I really believe that they are scared because they are not the content experts in this area. Mm -hmm. Show me somewhere where teachers are not at least a day ahead of the kids. Very rarely do you find that, you know, that that was the old language, right? Um, Every child, every teacher just has to, you just have to stay one day ahead. You just have to stay one day ahead. So you have all the answers to all their questions that they're ever going to ask. With video games, guess what? It flips the script, and don't we? I I seem to remember that there was this time and place and space where we wanted the kids to be masters of what what they know, right? We want them to be able to teach others. Well, does that include teaching the teacher, and well, and and helping the teacher to understand things? That was that was one of the things I loved about my students is when they did do that to me. But I think you're very special,
0: James, in that sense, and I think. Chris and I have had this, and it's probably a discussion for a whole other podcast.
1: <laughs> as, as everything that we've touched on uh, today is. I think back to Chris's point, too, about why, why would why would a school that supposedly is already successful do this? Um, and this is what I tell people, too, about the real work that you have to do before. Uh, my friend Becky Keene calls it uh, day zero or, or season zero, right? It's the preseason. It's before you get to start playing the games. So, so Becky talks about season zero, and, and I, I love the phrasing, so I just told her, I like, I'm going to start using that too. Sorry, Becky. Um, but I, the way that I attack any of these problems, or, or how, when somebody says, why would we do this? You all, every school, every single, I don't care how successful every student is in your building, you have something that you are working on, that you see as a deficiency, that you see as something that you wish your students could be able to do, you know, they they go by strategic plans. At least in the United States, it seems like every school has a strategic plan. Um, and again, I think the the beauty of the United States system versus the UK system is is that we have a lot of local control, and, and almost to a fault that we have a lot of local control. Yes, we do have federal guidelines and state guidelines that we have to meet, but by and large, it's it's left to the school districts to decide how they're going to do that. You know choices of curriculum and how they do it but when it comes to this thing you know if we're going to ask for an investment of money especially when budget deficits are a real thing and 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 i was able to grow my program while in the face of tens of millions of dollars in budget deficits um it was saying here are the things that here are the problems that we have here in racine in our school district and here's how we're going to fix them and this and how we're going to use esports to fix them if you can't answer those questions there's no sustainability of your program. You may have a great, you know, you might get the computers, but then in four years after you get the computers, what are you going to do after that? You know, are you going, how do you you sustain this? What are you measuring? What are you, what difference have you really made in the kids' lives? Is there value in them playing video games? Sure, but there's also value um, to the school board who ultimately is going to decide what your budget approval is. Um, When you say, hey, I also got, 10 more kids graduated on time that, would, that were ready to not graduate on time. But I think that's the point, right, James, is, is that it's that
0: immediate measurable which is the problem. It's not actually what impact has that had for the child to be a better citizen in the future or to increase their possibility for a better human capital or whatever it is. They're not looking at the impact 10, 15, 20 years down the line. They're looking at the impact, okay, how many people did we pass this year when it didn't
1: work? And that's yeah. and that's the problem. Uh, again, I think that there's a there's a a huge opportunity that we are starting to see now where gaming and esports, I should hope, is becoming a way for us to undo a lot of the toxicity that we have seen in the past and really start to use it as a, a opportunity for cultural exchange. Um, I asked the question of somebody, a class the other day I was talking to. I said, uh, "Where is the center of the esports world currently?" And some said China, and some said South Korea, and I said it is Saudi Arabia. And and I know that the British Esports Federation came out with a statement recently uh, in alignment with with the Saudi House of Saud. And um, and again. There's a lot of things that we cannot forget, but you know, as British citizens and as American citizens, our our governments have also not been, how shall we say, the best when it comes to certain things. Uh, but again, I feel like respectfully, we can start to ask some very pointed pointed questions to Saudi Arabia about, um, you know, how they how are they going to uphold human rights of those domestically and globally? Uh, how are, are foreign visitors going to be treated? Uh, especially if you want to have this uh, esports World Cup, um, what what partnerships has Saudi Arabia sought to work with human rights organizations, um, and how do they attend? How how do they see gaming as hopefully bring being a big uniter and starting dialogue uh, with people? There has to be a thaw somewhere, you know. There was whether it was Nixon going to China in the 70s or it was Reagan and Gorbachev meeting in Iceland in the 80s. Uh, Maybe gaming is going to start to be that thaw here, at least for for a lot of our cultures across the world. I mean, if the Olympics people can all get together every four, you know, two to four years and 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 find common ground to compete in these disparate countries that that, you know, have all different wants and needs. I hope I hope Saudi Arabia can start to hopefully take their position and lead on that.
0: Well, let's hope that it's not another vehicle for just uh, internal change or external view for people to see them doing well. Um, which sports can, washing. Sports yeah. washing, absolutely, as we see with greenwashing, as we see with virtue signaling, as we see with everything else. Chris, final thoughts?
2: Just that I've had uh, a wonderful time listening to James. <laughs>
1: Well, I am. <laughs> it's... I am very thankful to the time that you all have given me. And again, uh, we didn't even get to talk about gamification.
0: So. No, and you know what? For, for the listeners out there, James will be coming back, I hope, if he's, if he's willing to um, and, and have a, ready. and have another chat. James, thank you so much for your time today. We'll, be, we'll have you back soon. Um, Chris, thank you again for your time today as well. And for those thank of you, you listening, if you've any questions, please drop us a line. Uh, James's details will be in the description in the podcast below, um, But until we speak next time, Thank you very much.